Welcome to Calvary Tabernacle. I'm Jocelyn. If this is your first service with us, make sure you go check in at the Welcome Center. We have a special gift for you. If you have kids with you, we want to let you know that we have Kids Church happening downstairs for first through fifth grade. If you have kids younger than that, we also have nursery and classes available for ages one through five, as well as special needs classes hosted by our ABLE Ministries. If you need any help checking them in, feel free to visit us at the Welcome Center. The next thing we want to let you know about is our Church Center app. This app is the best way to find out what's going on at Calvary. You can follow along with midweek notes, see a full calendar of events, and you can even give right through the app. This app is available for Apple and Android phones. Just search for it in the App Store. If you're new to the Calvary family, we want to let you know about a class called This Is Home. This is a three-week class all about living the life that God has created for you, and it's a great way to meet other Calvary members. You can sign up for This Is Home on the Church Center app or visit someone at the Welcome Center. At Calvary, we believe in the power of prayer, so we gather multiple times each week to do just that. If you want to learn more about the prayer opportunities, join the prayer group in the Church Center app. If you're interested in giving today, there are multiple ways you can do that here at Calvary. You can give on our website at calvarytabindy.com, in person at the tithe box in the foyer, or you can give through the Church Center app. Again, thank you so much for joining us here today at Calvary Tabernacle. If at any point during service you have questions about what you're experiencing, find someone with one of these blue lanyards and they'll be more than happy to help. We're about to enter into a time of music and worship. You're gonna see people clap their hands, sing out loud. At whatever level you feel comfortable, feel free to join in. Service starts now. Praise the Lord, everybody. Can we all stand and just continue to invite the presence of the Lord here? We love you, God. You're worthy to be praised. You are great.
his spirit because he is a promise keeping God faithful God faithful God one more time can we put our hands together and honor the God that has never failed us never left us thank you for your faithfulness Jesus oh we love you Lord yeah the mighty God you are it's October and that means that it is family month here at Calvary Lots of exciting things going on this month. Very intentional about hitting different aspects of the family. The theme this year is every generation. Because it's not enough for just the grandparents to have a strong walk with God or for the parents to have a strong walk with God. But it is God's will that the whole family unit be unified in walking by faith and serving Him. And so God's going to help us as a church this month to strengthen our families, and I'm thankful and looking forward to what he's going to do. You're going to want to pay attention to outside in the hallway where we have the posters giving the schedule. We'll be posting things on the app and on the webpage. This Wednesday, as a reminder, it will be men's night only. So from youth age up, the men will be meeting here in the sanctuary, and it will be just for the guys we're going to be challenged as men, and there's going to be a move of God that's going to help us in ways that you couldn't share with the whole congregation. God is going to talk to us as just men. Next week, we'll flip it, and it's going to be ladies only. So ladies from youth age and above will meet here in the sanctuary for that Wednesday night. And there'll be a lot more going on. We'll be sharing it via the app and social media. Since it's family month, I think it's nice and appropriate for Pastor Carson, Sister Carson, and the kids to have gotten away for a few days to be enjoying some family time together. Come on, can we put our hands up? We got a leader of leaders. They give everything they've got to this church. And I, for one, and I know you're with me, am thankful that they're able to get away. And so let's keep them in prayer that while they're away, that this would be a time of refreshing for them. That when they come back, they'll feel just refreshed by their time away and that God would help them to accomplish that. I'm gonna ask them to put the slide on the screen for offering. We know that God is faithful and he gives to us liberally, doesn't withhold from us, but he calls upon us to give back and sow into the kingdom through our finances. And so different ways we can give our offering here at Calvary Tabernacle. One way is via the Church Center app or using the webpage. 
or in the foyer. We have giving boxes that you can use also. However you're giving, we just thank you for honoring God with your offering. At this time, I'm gonna ask the ministers if you would come forward, get ready for a special time of prayer. Two special requests I wanna bring before the church as they're getting ready. One, I'm saddened to announce the passing of Sister Barbara Ward, Tony, Brother Tony Cobb's mom. So I'm asking you to keep the Cobbs in prayer. Visitation will be this Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. at Shirley Brothers on Thompson Road there at the chapel. And Wednesday here at Calvary from noon to the time of the funeral at 1 p.m. And I'm asking us to gather, bind together as a church to be praying for Israel, asking for God to bring peace there, protection there. Join me in prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We're asking that you would, God, that you would minister and protect those there in Israel, God. Praying that you would do, God, what only you can do, bring supernatural protection. And we're praying that you would give peace to the Cobb family during this time of loss. God, wrap your loving arms around them. Help them, God, in this time. Thank you, Jesus, for being faithful to be there with them and them not enduring this on their own. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, I've asked these ministers to come forward because we're gonna have a time of prayer. So if you are in this sanctuary and you have a need that God has to step in on, you've got something, maybe you've been dealing with it for a long time, you've tried medication, you've tried doctors, you've tried counseling, you've tried all the things you know to try as a person, and nothing has brought resolution. I'm telling you that God is here to meet you and to be your help. And if you will place your faith in him, he's gonna do just that. So if you're on this main level, I'm asking you to step out of your pew, make your way down to this altar. These ministers are gonna pray with you. If you're in the balcony, we have a section here in the center where the ministers will meet you also. And we are gonna pray together, believing that the Lord is gonna help us accomplish exactly what our need is. In Jesus' name. You are a covenant-keeping God. You are a covenant-keeping God. Yahweh, covenant-keeping God. Yahweh, covenant-keeping God.
Come on, can somebody testify of the goodness of the Lord in this room this morning? Can you think back to a time when you needed God to come through and there was absolutely no way, but when he stepped in, it may not have happened when you wanted it or when you thought you needed it, but he came in right on time. So whether or not you're experiencing the promise now or you're waiting in your situation, you can trust to know that help is on the way, that help is coming for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
on, if you believe that, that help is on the way, why don't you give him praise right now? Come on, I want you to look at your impossible situation. I want you to look at that thing that you feel like there's no way through. And I want you to serve the enemy. Notice right now that help is on the way. Come on, my help is on the way. I will lift up mine eyes to the hill where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, the Spirit of God is moving right now in this building. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell somebody nearby you, your help is on the way. Tell them your help is in the house. Come on, your help is in the room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. And the, the evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. Aren't you? Anybody got some now faith? Amen. Not later on faith, not someday faith, but I've got now faith that God is going to do it right now, that God is moving right now in this place. Amen. As you can see, I'm not Pastor Carson. He did not decide to go with the clean cut look. Amen. But I am honored to be here today. I want to say thank you to Pastor Carson. I don't take it lightly that he would trust me to stand in the pulpit in his absence, not absence, uh, within his time where he's investing in his family. It's very important. Amen, for the health of the ministry, that they're able to uh, get some time to energize and spend with their family, and that he would trust me today to Pastor and Sister Lopez as well. Amen, we honor them, all the leadership here at uh, Calvary as well as IBC. Amen, all of the teachers and uh, all of the staff that are here today. Can we just give the, uh, the leadership of this great church and, and the school a hand clap? Amen, let them know that we honor them. Amen. And if you are a guest here today and you don't know who Pastor Carson is, if you've not heard him preach, I wanna, before I even preach, I just wanna tell you, don't judge Calvary on what you're about to hear. All right, you need to come back again next week when Pastor Carson is gonna be here. And when I tell you he's one of the greatest preachers you ever hear, I'm not exaggerating. He is an incredible man of God, an incredible preacher, a great leader, amen. And I honor them, I honor this church for the commitment that you're making to make room for a growth. Because growth is not just about more about us growing. Growth is about making room for souls. And so I honor you for the, the steps that you are taking, the additional services, making room for people. Why don't you give yourselves a hand clap right now? I know it's change is never easy, but watching you guys from the outside and watching what God is doing is incredible. Amen. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to the book of First Chronicles, chapter number 13. Amen. In verse number nine, we're gonna begin reading a passage of scripture that likely you have read or heard preached on before. But I want to preach, beginning in verse number nine, we read, and the Bible says, and when they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, or Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and the Lord smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. The Bible says that David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of God, the Bible tells us, remained 
with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. Amen. The ark of God remained with the family and in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. How many of you want the Lord to bless your home? I'm not just talking Sunday morning rhetoric right now. How many of you want the Lord to bless your home? And you want the Lord to bless your family? And you want the Lord to bless your children? And through that, you want the Lord to bless others that are around you? Can we lift our hands right now and give God praise? Lord, we want your blessings. God, we're not after monetary blessings. Lord, we're not just after superficial blessings. But Lord, we want the blessings that only God can give. Hallelujah. So we lift hands to you right now. We ask. And as you minister to us through your word today, that we would position our lives to be blessed of you. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, the Lord bless you, you could be seated. I wanna preach for uh, the next few minutes here this morning. And uh, I'm gonna set my clock to make sure it is a few minutes. Amen, the next few minutes this morning on the, this thought, the blessing of Obed-Edom. Amen, the blessing of Obed-Edom. The biblical account of Obed-Edom is introduced against the backdrop of the tragic death of Uzzah. Perhaps you're familiar with the story of Uzzah for the sake of setting the foundation for what the Lord has brought me to deliver to this church today. I will just kind of summarize the story. The Bible tells us that Uzzah and his brother Ohio were in charge of driving the cart. They drave the cart, the Bible says, that carried the Ark of the Covenant. Probably means they walked in front of it and led the cart. Bible tells that this Ark of the Covenant that was on that new cart was the ornate piece of furniture that God had instructed in Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. This would be the place that God would meet with his people. So the Ark of the Covenant was more than just a piece of furniture. It was where God said, that is the place that I will meet with humanity. That is the place between, between the cherubims and above the mercy seat is where I will meet with my people. The Ark of the Covenant was the manifest power and presence of God dwelling among his people. The day that Ohio and Uzzah drove that new cart was not the first time that they had encountered the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2 would inform us that the Ark of the Covenant for 20 years had dwelt in the home of Abinadab, who happened to be the father of Uzzah and Ohio. 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant had been in their home. And now as Uzzah and Ohio lead the cart that carried the presence of God, they come to this threshing floor, Nashon's threshing floor, and it was here, the Bible said that the oxen began to shake the cart. And maybe they hit an unstable place in the floor. Maybe the oxen, maybe they sent some of the grain that was left there and they decided it was time to eat. I don't know what the occurrence was, but whatever it was, the cart began to shake and and as it did, Uzzah, the Bible says, reached out to steady the ark. The instant that his hand contacted the ark, the Lord smote him, the Bible tells us, for his error. On a different Sunday and probably a different sermon, we could dive deeper into this whole occasion surrounding Uzzah. But I think we can look today for just a moment. What was it about Uzzah's reaching and touching that ark of the covenant? Was, was the reason that, that Uzzah stretched out his hand and steadied the ark knowing uh, knowing that the commandment of the Lord is that you're not to touch the holy thing because if you do, you're going to die. But, but, but perhaps it was that because Uzzah had grown up in a house where the Ark of the Covenant had been for 20 years, that perhaps Uzzah had become familiar with the presence of God. It, it had become just another piece of 
furniture in his house. And, and I, I, would, I, I would warn us today, I would, I would cause us today, I would caution us today, amen, that we've got to be careful as the people of God not to become familiar with the presence of God. Amen. It can't be that we come to church Sunday after Sunday and because God moves every time we show up that it just becomes another thing that we grow up around. Amen. That we see healings in the altar and we just grow accustomed to it. Amen. We watch God deliver people and it doesn't move us any longer because we've been so familiarized and so desensitized by what we've seen. I, I would draw our attention for just a moment to the passage in the, in the scripture where uh, the Bible tells us that Lazarus had been raised from the dead and, and just a, a few days after that, they're gathered in, in Simon's house in Bethany and the Bible says that, that in that place that, that, that there were different people that were in the house and one group of people that were there were the disciples, the 12 followers of Jesus, amen. But, but we find that as Mary comes and breaks the alabaster box and begins to worship, why? Because Jesus has delivered her brother Lazarus who was dead in the grave for four days. And so she brings that alabaster box and breaks it and begins to worship. But, but it's not Mary's worship that really draws my attention, but rather it's the indifference of the disciples. I don't see any place, Brother Lopez, where, where one of the disciples says, wow, what a, wor what a, what a miracle this was. I don't see it. What, what I do see is them standing back, and they begin to critique Mary's worship. Uh, why? Because we've watched him turn water into wine, uh, and we've watched him steal the storm and the waves. Uh, amen. They become desensitized to the miracles of Jesus. But I pray it be every Sunday morning that I walk into the house of God, uh, that it would be like the first time he's ever moved in my life. Uh, amen. That it would always bring a worship out of me, uh, that would always draw praise out of me. I wonder how many of you are still amazed at the hand of God at work in your life. I know it's Sunday morning, and you were here last Sunday morning, and the, the Sunday morning before that, but, but did anybody wake up this morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. This isn't just another day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I came to church today to rejoice. I wonder if somebody can praise him like it's the first time you ever felt his presence. I wonder, can you remember the first time you felt his presence? Do you remember when he reached down and brought you out of darkness? Do you remember when he delivered you from that addiction? Perhaps it was familiarity that led Uzzah to stretch forth his hand and stabilize and still that ark. Or perhaps it could have been sincere reverence for this ark that Uzzah stretched out his hand in sincere reverence, not wanting the sacred things of God to fall upon the ground. What we do know is that David was dismayed. The Bible says he was dismayed by the death of Uzzah. He was befuddled that God had broken forth against Uzzah and struck him dead there at Nashon's threshing floor. The Bible says that out of his amazement, out, out of his dismay, that he, he became fearful of God, and, and it led him to ask this question. He said, how can I bring the ark of God home to me? How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? David was not asking for a tutorial in the correct way to get the presence of God back to his house. There, there was already plenty of law. There was plenty of writing 
in, in the five books, amen, that would have given him instruction in how to get there. He wasn't asking, how do I do this? Rather, he was making an observation. He was saying, you know what? After I watch what just happened to Uzzah, I'm not sure that I want the presence of God in my house. After I just watch what took place, I'm not sure that my home is really the best place for God's presence to be. And so David carries the Ark of the Covenant aside to the house of Obed-Edom. There's some historic debate among commentaries as to the origin and who exactly the identity of Obed-Edom. At the very least, some say, some commentaries say that Obed-Edom is a Philistine. As the Bible tells us, he was, from, he was a Gittite, which means he was from a location called Gath. Another name in the Bible that you might be familiar with that was from Gath was a giant named Goliath. So as the Bible says he was from Gath, many commentaries suppose that he was a Philistine himself. Other commentaries tell us it was impossible. He never would have been able to be, uh, the Ark of the Covenant would have never been in the home of Philistine. Whichever way it was, what we do know is that the very most, he was an obscure, what we might call a nobody. He was not a king. He was not a mighty man. He was not a prophet. He was not a teacher. He was, he was a nobody. In fact, before we read this story, we don't find him anywhere. If, if it had not been for Uzzah's error, we may never have heard or seen the name of Obed-Edom. But this moment, when David is fearful and apprehensive about bringing God into his home, a man, Obed-Edom, said, you know what, I may not be a somebody, I may not be a king, I may not have notoriety, everybody in Israel may not know my name, but I do know what the presence of God is about. Amen, I, I, I don't have to be a king to know that I want God in my house. And David is reluctant, but Obed-Edom is receptive. Can I tell somebody today, you don't have to be a somebody for Jesus Christ to move in your life. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be an evangelist. All you got to do is be a vessel. Huh? All you got to do is be willing. Huh? All you got to do is be hungry. Huh? And if today you will raise your hands and say, Lord, I want your presence in my house, the Lord will move in your life. Amen. About 30% of you believe me. I, I'm going to say it again. You don't have to be a somebody because the presence of God is here to turn a nobody into a somebody. In the beginning, God moved on nothing and created everything. He's still in the business of making something out of nothing. David's apprehensive and Obed-Edom is saying, wow, what an opportunity. I get to have the presence of God in my house. David's trembling and fearful and shaking and, and a little bit angry with God. And Obed-Edom is saying, hey, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Your loss is my gain. If you don't want it, I'll take it. If you're going to be reluctant, give it to me. I'll receive it. And I love what verse number 14 says. It doesn't just say that the ark dwelt in his house, but it says it dwelt with his family. Amen. The, the Bible says that for three months, everybody say three months. three months, for 91 days, the presence of God wasn't just in the house. See, it's, it's easy to just have the presence of God in the house. 
but that doesn't mean it's mingling around with the family, amen? Just because there's a piece of fur, that's where Uzzah and Ohio, I believe, went wrong, is it was just in the house, but it wasn't really with the family, amen? But but Obed-Edom made a decision that for 91 days, I'm not just going to have the presence of God in my house, but I'm going to have it in my family. I'm going to have it in the lives of my children. It's going to get in my marriage. It's going to be in every part of my home. I can see Obed-Edom every morning for 91 days calling his sons. Hey, Shimei, come here. Joah, I want you to come in the living room. Somebody go get Issachar. He's out in the backyard. Tell him to come inside. And I believe every day, Brother Sleva, he got that family together around that Ark of the Covenant. And he said, family, I want you to recognize that normally where we're standing right now is reserved for the high priest. We would never have access to this presence of God. But right now, we've got an opportunity for the holy presence of God to be in our house. So I want you to join with me, family, and we're going to worship God. Amen. I want you to join with me, family, and we're going to pray because we've got the presence of God in our house. Do you recognize that the Holy Ghost that you have Amen. Angels long to look into these things. We don't have to wait for the Passover to come around. We don't have to wait for one of the feasts to happen. We don't have to wait for Sunday morning church. Some of you are like, what? I didn't know. Yeah, you don't have to wait for Sunday morning church for God to move. I'm not saying you shouldn't come to church. Absolutely, you need to come to church. You need to get preaching, you need to get taught, you need to get fed. But guess what? Did you know God can move in your living room on Monday? About a month ago, we had a young lady come to our church for the first time. And you know that deer in the headlight look, right? You don't have to ask anybody if it's their first time. You can tell by looking at them. Looks like they walked out into a hurricane, a tornado, right? The wind has blown their hair back. The eyes are as big as silver dollars, and they're just staring ahead. But after service was over, she had worked with my daughter a few years back. And she was, and I loved it. I, I, that's what she said. She said, I loved it. Now, if I was judging by the look on her face, I would not have said that was going to be her response. I would have thought she would have said I was terrified. But she said, I loved it. The next Sunday, she came back and was in the altar seeking the Holy Ghost. A couple days later, she texted my daughter. She said, I was in giant grocery store. Amen. I was walking down the baking aisle and I felt the Holy Ghost start moving and I raised my hands and God filled me with the Holy Ghost right there. In... Amen. We don't have to wait for Sunday for God to move. Amen. God can do a miracle on a Monday. God can move on a Tuesday. God can deliver on a Thursday. God can raise up the sick on a Friday. Amen. He can do in your living room what he does in the altar. Amen. Obed-Edom says, family, we've got an opportunity. We've got the presence of God right here in our home. And the Bible says for three months, for 91 days, God began to move. Amen. God began to move. And the Bible says that God began to bless Obed-Edom and his household. Amen. Now, I'm not not a financial guru. Uh, My wife, if she were watching right now, she'd probably be laughing and say that's an understatement. But... Anyway, I, I, I'm not, I don't do a lot of investing, but I, I, I've read some about investing. And I know that if you would have, inter, if you would have invested $1,000 into Amazon back in the year 2009. And by the way, Amazon, anybody here have stock in Amazon? I just want to know so we could talk after service. Uh, if you got stock in Amazon when they first started, me and your friends automatically. All right, any differences between us, we can work those out. 
But if you got $1,000 in stock in the year 2009, Amazon being one of the, the highest returning stocks you could, in, uh, business you could invest in. But in a 10-year period of time, $1,000 would have been worth $13,000. That's pretty good. But it's not life-changing. I mean, $13,000 is good. You know, again, I, I probably would eat different tonight if I got $13,000. But I'm not saying my life would be changed. But Obed-Edom, in a three-month period of time, everything in his world changed. Amen. The Bible said he was so blessed that other people, he didn't even talk about the blessing. People just started seeing. It was so abundant in his life that people began to take note and say everything in Obed-Edom's life just seems to be getting better. Let me tell you, if you would let the Holy Ghost get loose in your home, if you would let the, stop doing, stop letting the Holy Ghost be a Sunday morning experience and you would let God move in your family, and you would let God move in your living room, and let God move at your dining room table, I believe that after 91 days, you would start seeing everything in my life is blessed. I wonder how many of you God has blessed in this building. I know after a while, we like to take credit for it. No, that wasn't God, that was me. I went and got a degree, and, and I did this. Now, you know good and well it wasn't you, it was God. God did it. If it wasn't for the Lord, if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I'm here today because of the goodness and mercy of the Lord in my life. In three months' time, I, I just imagine, Pastor Lopez, I just imagine, that Obed-Edom is, is telling his kids, don't act blessed, all right? Don't, go, don't be going to school wearing them Nike Airs. All right? When I was growing up, I, we, I got the, uh, the, the Walmart version of the Converse. I think they were like Bondverse or something. <laughs> they looked just like, I had the purple and gold ones. They were Magic Johnson wannabe shoes. And they looked great until you tried to stop on the basketball court and they became ice skates. You just skated right off the court. <laughs> they had no traction to them at all. And I, and I believe that Obed-Edom was saying to, hey, you, you guys can't, you gotta hide the blessing because if, if people find out, they're gonna go back and tell David. And if David finds out that we're being blessed, he's gonna come back and take the Ark of the Covenant, which is the source of our blessing. So, 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 so don't go acting out all, like you're all blessed and everything because we wanna keep the presence, but they couldn't even hide the way that God would. Can I tell you that's the kind of God we serve, that if you'll just let God loose in your life, if you'll let the Holy Ghost move in your family, amen, parents, you don't have, amen, if you'll get your kids in the altar, amen, if you'll let the Holy Ghost loose in your home, that God is gonna start doing a work that you can't even hide if you wanted to. Malachi says it this way, prove me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't handle. Come on, I, that is the word. I'm preaching the word today. I, it ain't always going to show up in your bank account, but it shows up in peace. And it shows up in joy. And it shows up in long-suffering. And it shows up in goodness. And it shows up in mercy. Amen. It shows up in the, how many of you can say today that God's blessed me? I don't have to tell people it's just abundant in my life. I don't have to talk about it all the time. But people notice that something is changing in me. And that's exactly what happened. They found out. Good neighbors. I know none of y'all have neighbors like that, but the neighbors started talking. Amen. And, and the neighbors, they began to notice that everything, they said everything that pertains to Obed-Edom is blessed. 
And so they went back to David and they said, David, you got to go down to Obed-Edom's house and we got to get that ark because as three months that ark has been in, in the house of Obed-Edom and in just three months' time, everything in Obed-Edom's house, everything that pertains to him is blessed. Now what was it that qualified Obed-Edom for this blessing? I believe there's three things that we can draw from this passage. The first thing is Obed-Edom's proximity to Nashon's threshing floor. What qualified him to be the place that David would take the ark? It was his proximity, how close he was to Nashon's threshing floor. And what is the, the threshing floor is a place of separation. It's the place where they would take the wheat and they would cast it into the air and the wheat and the chaff would be separated one from another. Many times in the scripture, Jesus even used this in parables to speak about separation. And if, if our homes are gonna be a place that God can bless, Amen, that we've got to, there's got to be separation in our homes. Amen, we can't run from separation. We can't hide from separation. Can I tell you that the Bible still calls you to be a holy people, a peculiar people, a royal nation, a royal priesthood. Amen, that I'm not running from separation because it is my proximity to the threshing floor that makes my home, amen, a, 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 a eligible for the blessings of God. Secondly, he, just, he made his home available. He didn't allow David's apprehension to influence him. He said, Lord, if, if you're looking for a place to dwell, my house is open. Come on, if you're looking, I, I don't, I'm not here today based upon how you respond to God. I, great congregation today. I love this church. One of my favorite places to be. Even if I wasn't preaching, I'd just be happy to be here because this is a great church. But I've got to tell you, I didn't come today and say, God, if Brother Lopez worships you, I will. If Sister Matthew sings my favorite song, then I'll worship. That, that's not my mindset. I came today with the mindset, God, you are welcome in this place. If Brother Lopez never raises his hand, I'm going to raise mine. If Sister Matthews doesn't sing my favorite song, I'm still going to bless you. This is not dependent upon what anybody else does. Amen. It's on the goodness of God and what he's done for me. I wish somebody praised him for just 20 seconds. Not based on what your neighbor does right now, but based upon the blessings of the Lord. Well, if my wife does, I will, preacher. I ain't asking you, don't let your wife do it first, man of God. Lead your home in worship and praise. Amen. Well, if my husband does it, then I will. Come on, women of God, let's lift up holy hands and let's worship God for a few minutes today. He's worthy of praise. Come on, you start letting that presence of God loose in our lives. That's where the blessings begin to flow. Amen. Your children watch you begin to worship God. And that worship begins to move down to generations. Thirdly, because what most are willing to do to relegate to two hours on Sunday, Obed-Edom said, we're going to do it every day for 91 days. Some people are, two hours on a Sunday just becomes kind of, you know, you put the bumper sticker on your car. That's what I do because I'm a Christian. So I can go to church and give God two hours of my time. I can give him 10% of my finances. 
We give God that kind of bare minimum. But Obed-Edom, the reason he was positioned for blessing is he said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna relegate you to some ceremonial uh, institution. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna relegate you to a ceremonial activity, amen, once a week. But God, every day in my house for 91 days, me and my children are gonna worship you. Every day for 91 days, we're gonna bless you and we're gonna lift you up. And because of that, Obed-Edom's house was blessed. I want to challenge those that are here today. The 91-day Obed-Edom challenge. That for, for every day, for 91 days, and I, I, again, I'm not the pastor here. Brother Lopez, I know you'll come later and whatever you want to do with this. If you want to say that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, don't do it. That's fine. But I just believe the word of God. I just believe the word of God, and I believe that if homes in this place right now would decide that for the next three months we're going we're gonna to make God the center of our home. For the next three months, every day, we're going to make sure we put God in the center of our family. We're going to bring the kids together, and we're going to worship. We're Not Sunday when we come to church. Every day for the next 91 days, we're going to get our family together, and we're going to worship. Can I tell you what I believe is going to happen? I believe God is going to start blessing everything that pertains to you. That child you've been having trouble with, God's going to straighten them out. Those finances that you can't figure out, God is going to bless them. Why? Because you put God as your priority. How many of you accept the challenge? And we read the story of Obed-Edom. Three months it's there. David comes back and gets the ark. And we can kind of think, oh, that's the end of the story with Obed-Edom. That's a cool little story, uh, preacher. It's a cool little story about a man who made God a priority for three months, and God blessed him. That's pretty neat. But now that David comes back and gets the ark, the story's over. You would be wrong if that's the way you suppose the story ends. Because the Bible says that David begins to put things in order, and he calls the Kohathites. They're the ones that have been instructed by God, the order of the way things are supposed to go, that it's, it's got to be the descendants of the Kohathites that carry the ark on their shoulders. And so they get four of them, I suppose, four of them, one at each corner of those staves, and they put the ark upon their shoulders, and they prepare to begin to take that ark back to Jerusalem. Huh? But then David doesn't stop there. He says, okay, now I need some worshipers. Amen. I feel like David today. I need some worshipers today. Come on, I need some worshipers today. Come on, I need some worshipers today. Hallelujah. David looked out, said, I, I, are there any worshipers out there? He said, I need some singers. He said, these next crew I'm getting ready to bring, not everybody can carry the ark. God specified who that is. But this next crowd I'm getting ready to bring up, you're going to be the next closest to the presence of God. So I need some singers. Amen. I, I need some people that can play the cymbals. And I need some people that can play the harp. And, and they began, to, they began to, to, to appoint those that are going to sing and those that are going to play the harp. And then there's one little guy, I imagine, Brother Lopez, in the back of the crowd, jumping up and down, saying, ooh, pick me. How many of you, that was you in basketball growing up? That was, now, Brother Lopez, I know you said it earlier, but when I, you wouldn't know this, but when, up until my junior year in high school, I was, I was about five foot five and weighed about 130 pounds. So that was me on the basketball court. Ooh, ooh, ooh pick me. I want to be the guy. And so they began to pick out who the worshipers are going to be. And there's little Obed-Edom in the back of the crowd saying, pick me. Uh, amen. David said, well, I need a singer. And then Obed-Edom's jumping up. And now I believe that I just imagined that Obed-Edom was tone deaf. Like Dr. Anderson would have said, that guy can't sing in the choir. He's bringing, he's bringing the whole crowd down. 
He said, Obed-Edom said, I know how to play the harp. Pastor, I just believe that he'd never seen a harp before in his life. He'd never played one. But he said, whatever I've got to do to get close to the presence of God, I will do it. Amen. So he began, the Bible says, he said, pick me. And he was appointed as a singer and a player of the harp. Amen. And he got into that crowd because he just wanted to get close to the presence of God. You know what, you know what our willingness to serve in the kingdom comes out of? When we know that God's been blessing our lives. I don't have to be talked into working in the kingdom of God. I just need to consider for three months the Ark of the Covenant was in my house and it changed everything in my world. So just get me as close to the presence of God as I can get. If you want to put me in the choir, put me in the choir. If you want to put me on an instrument, put me on an instrument. If you need me to come and clean the church, I'll clean the church. Whatever I've got to do to get close. They stop every six steps, and David loses his mind, dances before the Lord with all of his might, offers sacrifice. They go on, and finally they make their way all the way to Jerusalem. They get there, and they put the Ark of the Covenant inside the tent that David had prepared. And David again says, okay, now we need some worshipers. We, we need, I'm looking out for some worshipers. I'm almost done preaching. That should get y'all worshiping right now. David said, I'm looking for some worshipers. I got one back there. He said, all right, preacher, you're almost done. i help you. He's looking out for some worshipers. And guess what? There's a little hand back in the crowd. Ooh, pick me. Guess who it was? Obed-Edom again. Obed-Edom said, whatever I've got to do to get close to God, he changed my life, and I just want to do whatever I can to get close to God. You got any ooh, pick me people out there? God, just wherever you want to use me in the kingdom. Lord, if you need me to knock doors, I'll knock doors. If you need me to sing a song, I'll sing a song. If you want me to clean the church, I'll clean the. If you need me to be transportation to bring somebody to church, I'll do it. I just got to be close. Ceremony's over. Ark of the Covenant is in its place in the tent that David had prepared. Everybody's gone home. All the clout chasers are gone. The hype squad is gone. David says, okay, now I need somebody that will come every day. I need somebody that will come every day and worship. I need somebody that will come every day and minister before the Ark of the Covenant, before the presence of the Lord. Not so many hands were going up now. Still, one little guy in the back of the crowd. Guess what? Obed-Edom once again. Obed-Edom said, I'll do it. He said, I watch what God can do in a life that gets around his presence every day. He said, I would be glad to do it. And so Obed-Edom says, I will come every day and I will minister before the presence of God. But here's the, here's the point I want to bring. It was not just Obed-Edom. The Bible says 68 of his relatives joined with him. I want to tell you the blessings of Obed-Edom is that when you put God in the center of your world and you let God start getting into your family, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday, let me tell you, it's going to transform your family and they'll come to the house of God and they will serve the Lord with you. Band can start playing. That's when you all really get excited. It's almost over. Obed-Edom was not written in Scripture as a harp player. I think they figured it out. They're like, eh, I don't think that guy really knows what he's doing. He wasn't noted as a singer. Pretty quickly, they got to the bottom of that one. As any good choir director does, they're like, eh. 
put that guy at the last seat in the back corner. But that's where you stand. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying. That's where I stood too. I understand. Obed-Edom was known as a gatekeeper, a doorkeeper. Somebody who was just, every time the door's open, there's Obed-Edom. He's just faithful. He's a servant. He's a gatekeeper. The Bible calls him porters. He's a gatekeeper and a doorkeeper. And I just believe that when the psalmist wrote in Psalms chapter 84, verse 10, I believe the psalmist had that little guy standing in the back, jumping up and down, saying, pick me, pick me. I believe that's who the psalmist was thinking of. It was Obed-Edom, for he said, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I just want to be in the presence. Listen, I'm here today because God is a transforming God. My family, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for a God who transforms. I think my cousin Mark is here somewhere in the crowd. Mark, we've got a great testimony. Come on, it wasn't too long ago that our family, the, the, the lineage of our family was ripped and torn. It was headed for destruction, but God stepped in. And then realistically, in the matter of three months, God transformed our family. And I'm here today because God has blessed me. And now I just want to get as close as I can. I don't think I'm the only one today with a testimony. Some of you out there today have testimonies. You may not be a singer. You may not play a harp. But will you be a gatekeeper in the house of God? Stand with me in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 26. Again, listing the lineage of the porters, the gatekeepers, the doorkeepers. There he is, one time a nobody, perhaps a Philistine, I don't know, I, I don't, some say. But at the, very, at the very most, he was just a nobody that we never would have read about. One day, the presence of God came to reside in his home. He got his family involved in the worship of God. And now we read about Obed-Edom in the lineage of Israel as a gatekeeper, as a man who had heritage around the presence of God. Not only him, but it lists eight of his sons. And then it goes on and lists and says 62 of his family members, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on and so on and so on. You know, it's family month here at Calvary. I believe that God wants to do a transforming work. God wants to do a transformative work in the families of this great church. But he's looking for some Obed-Edoms. Not, not, not the oozes. This is just a thing you do. Just do this because that's what we do on Sundays and that's what dad and mom did. And so that's what I, no, 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 no. Not that. It's that pick me. Oh God, if you're gonna move today, if you're gonna move today, choose me. God, if you're gonna use somebody today, God, use me. Lord, if you're going to be a vessel that, that you flow through, there's going to be a vessel you flow through today. God, choose me. Come on, let, let's get rid of that Uzzah mindset. Is there an Obed-Edom in this house that would say, God? I want to ask you to come to this altar right now with me, if you would, and for 91 days, I want you to come and make a covenant. And again, Pastor Lopez can come and straighten out what I'm asking of you right now if it doesn't flow with the vision of this church. Moms and dads, grandparents, some of you right now that are just young people. You don't have children yet, but I want this to be passed on. I want this not just to be about me, but I want God to begin to get into everything in my life. I want it to begin blessing everything that pertains to me. I want my children to be blessed. I want my children's children to be blessed. 
I want there to be a heritage that is lifted up. I may be a nobody. I don't care if my name is ever heralded. I don't care if people ever know my name. I just want to serve in the, in the presence. I just want to be a doorkeeper. I just want to lift my hands right now because I sense his presence. Do you feel that? Do you feel that presence of God? I'm telling you, I feel it right now. It's lingering in this building. Come on, child of God. Come on, Pentecostal, apostolic. I don't care how many generations of Pentecostal you may be. Come on, the presence of God is as strong right now as it was the very first day your heritage ever touched it. And God wants to move in this place in a new and real way. That's it, moms and dads. I wonder, could you draw your children close? Pray the blessing of Obed-Edom. Come on, I believe God's going to start blessing. I'm not just talking theory. I'm not just talking theology. I'm talking practical that I believe God is going to start blessing the families of this church. Not because I spoke some magical spell, but because you're going to go home and you're going to create a space for the presence of God to begin to move. And you're going to call your children in and say, come on, kids, we're going to worship the Lord together. Come on, kids, we're going to get out our Bibles and we're going to read the Word together. Come on, kids, we're going to fall on our knees and we're going to pray together. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Let's worship Him together. That's it, as families pray together.
Can we lift our hands? The Lord has met us here. I believe with all my heart there's been great victories that have taken place at this altar. That God has stirred some things in us that haven't been stirred in a while. I want to be the one God. Put my hand always in the air. Pick me, God. Pick me, God. I want to be in your presence. I want to be close to you, Jesus. Whatever it is that you're doing, God, I want to be there in the center of it all, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. God knew what he was doing. When he started with the family, he knew if he was going to fill the earth with people that loved him and served him, it was going to begin with the family. Started with Adam and Eve, and it's carried on ever since then. God's desire is for the family to be a unit that is bonded together to serve Him. It's not enough for it to be mom and dad who are prayer warriors, or mom or dad who are faithful to church, but God's desire is for the family to be knitted together with Him at the very center. 
Everything starts there. And everything grows from there. Brother State, when you were mentioning the 62 and then the 68 family members, that's not just the immediate family that are gathered together. That means that what took place in that home extended beyond just the immediate family. That when God was placed at the center, his blessings began to come. And yes, it was for those that live within those four walls, but it quickly got beyond those four walls. It was something that was changing lives of people even further away. That's what God desires to do. And it's gonna begin in our families. So I'm gonna ask you now, if you're willing to commit to this 91-day challenge to lift your hands. All across this church, every hand should be raised. I'm going to tell you now, I believe in counseling, pastoral counseling. I believe in it. I believe in marriage counseling. I believe in all sorts of counseling. There's benefit to it. But God can do in a moment what years and years of counseling could never accomplish. If we invite them into our homes over these next 91 days, there is no telling the stories of the miracles that will take place at the end of this time. We've got to be intentional about it. So as a church, we're committing to this. These next 91 days, we're going to be intentional. And I'm going to help you out because I don't want it to be a burden to you. Here's what we're going to do. In my home, we're going to go home. We're going to change into our comfy clothes. And we're going to sit down, and I'm going to hand the kids a piece of paper. I'm going to take a piece of paper. My wife's going to have one. And we're going to sit down, and we're going to begin to write down what are different ways that we can honor this 91-day commitment, different ways that we can gather in our home and lift up the name of Jesus, different ways that we can pray, different ways that we can study the Word. And we're going to put all those together. And here's why it matters that you involve the kids. Because at the end of this 91 days, there will be great things that would have taken place in your home. And you'll be able to look your kids in the face and you'll be able to tell them, God honored you. He didn't just honor mom and dad. God honors the children. God believes in what they're doing. God believes in their commitment and in their faithfulness. And he honors that. And they need to know it. So go home. Figure out how are we going to do this next 91 days, but be committed to it. Don't allow anything to hinder you from making time each day in your home. You don't have kids, your spouse. You don't have a spouse, then by yourself, show God that you still have a love for Him that's so great. You're bouncing around everywhere, raising your hand, saying, I just want to be in your presence, God. Even if I'm here by myself, I just want to be in your presence, God. I just want you to know you've got freedom to move in my life, Lord. I want to be a vessel that you can pour into. I want my home to be a home that you can bless. Next Sunday, we've got something special going on here. We're having a PM service, October 15th. They've got a slide, if you'll throw that up for me. We're bringing in a company. We've contracted this company, one of the most uh, 
well-known companies that come in and speak to churches and schools and parents about how we can guard our kids in this digital age. And can I tell you, I'm gonna let you know that there is nothing else present in this day that is more of a threat to the family than pornography. It's destroying more families than drug addiction, than alcoholism could ever do or ever dreamed about doing. And our kids walk around with devices in their pockets where they can access the most harmful material to the family. And so I'm asking you to be committed from the heart of our pastor. I'm asking you to be committed to be here next Sunday p.m. It's adults only in the sanctuary. We're gonna have children being able to be watched in the lower level from ages one through five. And we're gonna do everything we can. We're working on providing a gym night for the youth to where every parent has the ability to be here that p.m. service. Grandparents, I know you're thinking, I don't have kids, they're grown, they're out. You've gotta hear me on this. Kids access more on their parents or their grandparents' Wi-Fi and at their homes than they do anywhere else because grandparents aren't thinking about it. We're not aware of it. We're not guarding against it. And so the kids have more opportunity to do that there than they do at home. And so we're asking you, grandparents, parents, singles, next Sunday p.m. service, let's be here together and let's allow God to equip us to protect our family and our kids that we can help other people to do the same. We're gonna pray and here's our prayer request. We're closing out, this is our closing prayer. This next 91 days is a big commitment. We can't do it on our own. We need God to speak to us and to help us to understand how can we do this in our home in a way that he will honor it and that it will be effective. We need God's help for this to be a success. Amen? We need his help. Heads bowed all across this place. God, we love you and we honor you. We're asking you, Lord, that as we make this commitment to you, we're gonna be intentional in our homes over the next 91 days, God that every single day we're gonna make a special time for you where we gather together as a family, where we honor you, God, where we engage with you. And I'm asking you to touch our minds and our hearts, God. Speak to us and give us, God, creative ways to do that. Creative ways to engage with you and to have a fresh understanding of your word and, and help those to be times, God, of prayer, yes, but maybe times of study, maybe times of worship. Whatever it is that you put on individual families' hearts, God, let us honor that each and every day over the course of the next three months. And God, we're praying that that would give you freedom in our homes. God, we want you to have liberty in our homes to touch our children, strengthen our children, strengthen our marriages, strengthen our families. And we thank you for that, God, and we honor you for that. In Jesus' name.
you believe God's going to do something over the next three months, let's put our hands together. In Jesus' name, he's going to do it. Thank you for being with us today in service. God bless you. You are dismissed.